0: We started our series a couple uh, weeks ago about the last days, and, uh, and uh, last week we discussed the fact that uh, when anytime you see the term in scriptures, last days, it encompasses more than our current time. And uh, I felt it was important to point that out because people always think of the last days, they think of something that's coming or something that just started. And the truth of the matter is, is that according to the prophet Joel and according to, to uh, Uh, Peter's interpretation of it, he made clear that when the church was formed, the last days began. Here in these last days, uh, he will pour his spirit out. And and, and we know that the last days is continuing. He's still pouring his spirit spirit out. And then we saw other scripture that referred to the last days that obviously was pointing toward the millennial reign of Christ. And so the last days encompasses from the time the church was born to the end of that millennial reign of Christ. Folks, are we somewhere in the middle? Yes, we are. And not to mention that that it is pointing toward the day that we live today that we pointed out some very clear things, signs uh, of the day that we're living that shows the very near approaching of the return of our our Lord and Savior for the rapture of the church. But that first one was that 1948, Israel was rebirthed as a nation, uh, pointed out some scriptures about the fact that Israel had to be a nation to fulfill certain things in the tribulation period. Also, that we discussed the increase of apostasy, the turning away from the truth in the last days and uh, following deceiving spirits, so on and so forth. Uh, So we talked about all that stuff last week. Um, I was pretty hard. I did some hard preaching. I think I had a vein coming out of my head last week. And uh, people come up to me and said, Oh, Pastor, that was awesome. And um, today's going to be more of a teaching. I hope I don't let you down. uh, But I'm not going to be running around screaming and yelling today. So uh, we're going to talk about the rapture of the church. Chronologically next in order of things. So far, we've talked about stuff that has happened, okay, is happening and will continue to happen. But now we're going to start talking about the next thing, folks, that hasn't happened yet. The very next thing chronologically on God's calendar that I can find in scripture, which is very possible and purposeful is the rapture or the catching away of his people, the church. Can I get an amen? I'm talking about you, all right? Look around, look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you, I'm talking about you. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this message, can you can rejoice about it. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we'll give you an opportunity at the conclusion of this message because if you don't know Him, it's a scary thought. We're not even to the tribulation period yet, but this is going to establish and set up what can follow very soon. There's a lot of things when you start talking about the rapture of church. You get all kinds of interpretations of Scripture. You've got uh, those that that believe in pre-tribulation rapture. You've got those that believe in a mid-tribulation rapture. You've got those that believe in a post-tribulation rapture. You've got some that believe the rapture's already happened. (laughs) Well, there's a couple of those I can throw out really quick, Okay, according to Scripture. However, there are two. There are two that, that, that waver back and forth, and there seems to be a little bit of support for both in Scripture, and that would be uh, pre-trib and mid-trib uh, rapture of the church. I believe, uh, and I'm going to share with you here in just a minute why we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Uh, I believe that to be the truth. However, if, if I'm wrong on that, who cares? I'm not going to be dogmatic about those two. I will be dogmatic about the others and say, absolutely not. But this one, these two, I'm not going to be overly dogmatic about. If the Lord wants to take us completely out of it before it all starts, fine. If he wants to take us out of it in the middle of it, I'm going to go, fine. And then I'm going to go. Thank you, Larry. Thanks for reminding me. You should have told me that last week when I had the bane popping out of my head. So this morning, the first thing I want to point out is, first of all, number one, the event is in Scripture, and it will happen. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be clear about this. I, we, have, we have people in our sanctuary, from our young kids to our elderly. We have people that are new believers, maybe some that aren't believers at all, and have no idea what I'm about to talk about, so I'm going to be very clear. The event of the rapture is in Scripture. It is very clear. It does happen. There is no doubt that the Lord is going to return and take His people, His church, off of this earth to be with Him. Okay, the dead in Christ will rise first. Graves are going to be emptied of people that were followers of Jesus and died in their faith, and houses are going to be empty of those people that are alive and remain that, are, that, that know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He is coming back to receive his people unto himself. I'm going to get, read through some scripture really quickly. Some of these we're going to come back and read some more in a little bit. But just for the sake of making clear that the event is in scripture, uh, we're going to talk about it. John 14 verses 1 through 3, Jesus says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Now, something I am not going to uh, hit on a whole lot this morning or at all other than right now is, you know, we, we as Christians, those who understand the Bible and have talked about it a lot, we talk about the marriage of the Lamb um, and, and these things. But, but I want to make clear, Jesus is making a reference to this right here. Okay? He's telling his disciples, this, is, this isn't just a verse we share at graveside. Hear me, folks. There's a reason why we share it at graveside services uh, after a brother or sister has passed away because this is what's called the blessed hope. A hope that he will come back and, and he will raise us to life. We will be with him. But, but what he's saying right here is, as you trust in me, trust, all, uh, trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. What he's talking about here, folks, is the fact that, of the Jewish understanding of, of marriage. You, you would pay a dowry, okay? You would pay a price. You would get established uh, a marriage covenant there saying you will be my wife, I'll be your husband. Once that's established, you leave, you go, you prepare a place, you build onto your father's house, whatever, and then when that time is done and it's all prepared at any moment, it can be at two o'clock in the morning, it can be at one o'clock in the morning, it can be at two in the afternoon, anytime. When he sees fit and that's finished and that's ready, then he can go and he can take his bride and bring her to that place he's prepared for her and they can be together. Okay, that's what Jesus is not coming out and saying it right there, but if you bring in all the other scriptures that have to do that, which I am not doing that this morning, go through, search it out, seek it out on yourself but we can see that it's the exact same thing that's taking place. It's the marriage of, the, of, of our bridegroom to the bride. We are the bride, the church. And he says, look, he said, there's many rooms. If it, were so, if it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. I'm going to add on an addition for you, even though he doesn't have to add on an addition. He's telling us this for us to understand what he's going to do. Jesus isn't up in heaven saying, another one got saved? Ah." With a hammer and nail in his hands. Okay, let's not, let's get that image out of our head. That's not how it's working. He's preparing a place for us by the cross. Amen. He's preparing a place for us by the working of his spirit today as he saves people and prepares us for heaven. So, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. Everybody say, will. Will. Anytime Jesus says will, he will. He ain't like every other man, ladies. Right? He will. He'll actually finish the place for us. Amen? Right? He'll get it done. And then he will come back and he'll get us. If your husband said, I'm going to go build a place and finish it for you and I'll come back and get you, he'll leave you and say, I ain't never go see him again. Because <laughs> men have trouble finishing things. I know that because I am one of them. But Jesus said, I'll go and prepare a place for you. I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And you say, Pastor, that's kind of... You know, you know, that's, that's kind of iffy. It doesn't make sense to me. It couldn't it just be that when we die, we go be with him, whatever. Paul makes clear what, God, what Jesus is talking about in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 54. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye. If the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed for the, imperishable, for the perishable must, put, must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Listen, folks, when he tells them this, we will not all sleep, meaning we will not all die. We, we will not all go by the grave, but we will all be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, and the dead will be raised and we will be changed. Folks, those who are alive and remain will be changed be gathered up with the dead who are raised to life to be listen the event is there it's clear and it's clear in way more places in the scripture than i'm going to share with you this morning then if you go on into first thessalonians 4 13 through 17 paul man paul saw some great things Paul got great revelations of what our, what our culture was going to be like. Paul got revelation of in-time events that, that Old Testament writers didn't fully grasp and understand. Paul understood this. Listen to this in verses 13 through 17 of 1 Thessalonians 4. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Listen, the word rapture, you're not going to find it in the Bible. It's a man-made word to declare what is happening. But it says we're going to be caught up. We're going to meet them in the air. Folks, when it says this and it says the dead in Christ shall rise first and those who are alive and remain will be gathered up. Listen, what that means is is there's a generation of people. Sometime in the generation, God the Father knows and understands when that is. But there's a generation of people that will not die. They will be caught up from this earth and taken to be with the Lord as they're sitting in their kitchen table, as they're driving to work, as they're sitting on an airplane, or as they're sitting in a coffee shop, wherever it may be, instantly changed, transformed, Folks, it could happen in the next few minutes. There was a time when preachers would preach this on a regular basis because it gave itself to holy living or its intention was to bring people to holy living as we talked about a couple weeks ago. The goal is that people would understand and live in light of eternity instead of the here and now in this moment where I I just make my decisions based off my flesh and what I want. The event is in Scripture. You can say, Pastor, I don't believe this whole rapture thing. It sounds kind of kooky. It sounds kind of crazy. It doesn't sound right. Listen, you cannot have Jesus and throw this away. And you can't have this without Jesus. So if you put your faith in Christ, if you believe upon Him, then you better receive this too because it's the truth. And it will take place. So why do we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, and for those of you that maybe don't understand a whole lot about Bible prophecy, let me just say this quickly. We we talked about it briefly a week or so ago. We're going to be going into it in weeks ahead uh, about this tribulation period. Scripture makes very clear it's a seven-year period, three and a half years. There's going to be peace between uh, kind of the world community, not necessarily. Um, The earth itself, okay, there's going to be some issues that first three and a half years. But following that three and a half years, the next three and a half, the Antichrist is going to really show himself and set himself up as God and a lot of other things. The Bible makes very clear, has it down to days, has it down to years, very clear for us that there's going to be a period of tribulation upon the earth for about a seven-year period. Now, I believe that the church will be taken out of the world before that period begins, I really believe that as soon as the church is taken out of the world, that that period does begin they're following very quickly. So, so that's what I say. When I say a pre-tribulation rapture, that's what I mean. You say, Pastor Bob, gee whiz, things are happening in the world now. How bad does it get before it's tribulation? Come back in a couple weeks. It's going to get bad, folks. But pre-tribulation rapture, we believe it. Revelation 3.10, Paul writes to the church in Philadelphia, and he tells them this. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. So, so John hears this and writes these words down. Excuse you. <laughs> so John hears this and writes these words down. And no, those were not the bleeps that they put in on television, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) He says, I'll keep you from the hour of trial. Now that term, the hour, is a term that doesn't mean trials. How many of you in life have some trials? I got some trials sometimes, Lord. Well, that's not talking about God making your life warm fuzzy. We talked about deceiving spirits and lies last week, didn't we? Okay, it's not believe on Jesus and everything in your life will be perfect. What he's saying is, he goes, there's going to be a specific time of trial that will come on the whole world. The entire earth is going to be vexed. The entire earth is going to be under a time of wrath. And he says, I am going to keep you out of it. Now, this time is that time that I mentioned, the tribulation period. It's that time where for seven years, uh, literally, there's going to be hell on earth. But here's the thing. The Greek preposition that's translated as from, keeping you from, is actually means to be separated or removed from. Now, you tell me, folks, if there's going to be a trial on the entire world, there's going to be wrath on the entire world, how can you be separated from it if you're on it? How can you be separated? Well, Pastor, I now I understand it's talking about the different plagues. they are gonna be plagues. Listen to me. How can you avoid a worldwide earthquake? How can you avoid a a, a a meteor hitting the earth called wormwood? How can you avoid a third of every living thing dying? How can you you can't? The only way to avoid it is to be taken out of it. And listen to me. You can say, well, okay, maybe you're in the middle of it and it doesn't hurt. If you're in the middle of fire and everything gets burned up around you and everything's dead around you, listen to me. Tell me that's wonderful and joyful, the blessing of God. See, it didn't hurt me. (laughs) What happened? You would say, take me, Lord. Listen, the only way that we're going to be separated from it is we're not going to be on the whole earth. If the whole earth is under trial and the whole earth is under tribulation, the only way is for us to be taken out. And folks, let me just tell you this. Only the church is promised to be kept from that hour of trial. This was a church he was writing to as a representation of the church as a whole, and he's writing to them and he's saying, look, you are going to be kept out of it. It's not the people that are not going to... Good people are going to have to go through the tribulation. Good people by human standards. People who don't know Jesus Christ and yet have some level of morality. People that have believed uh, lying spirits that are nice people are going to have to go through this. People that don't come to church, people that don't believe in Christ, but yet give big gifts to the church in hopes that they might earn some kind of a salvation, will not get caught up in the rapture. People who have a form of religion, who attend week in, week out, but don't allow their faith in Christ to, to impact their lives. They've never really been transformed by the renewing work of the Holy Spirit in their life. They've never been changed. They just go in and out of a ritual. They're not going to get caught up. Folks, this is only for the people that know Jesus Christ. People who are not going to compromise the truth. People who are going to compromise the gospel. The truth of the word is the authority for their lives. They'll live by it at all costs. The people that are going to be caught up are the ones that are willing to suffer loss for the sake of the gospel. It's called uh, being recipients of the blessed hope. It's those that have thrown off everything in this life so that they look toward that life to come. Those are the people that are going to get to go. Not the game players. Not the ones that come to church just to keep mom and dad quiet. Not the ones that just come to church just so that the community will see them and say they're doing a good job. The people that are going to be taken are those who know Jesus Christ. The second reason we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture is because of the massive apostasy that engulfs the world following the rapture. You say, what do you mean? In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I'm going to read it all, and then we'll jump back and look at some of it. But concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. This scripture right here, folks, points out several things to us. First thing I want to point out is this, when it refers to the day of the Lord, it's referring to the second coming of Jesus Christ. When his foot actually puts onto dirt again on this earth. Not at the rapture, we're talking dirt. We're talking about destruction of his enemies, the battle of Armageddon, okay? The day of the Lord. And scripture always talks about it, the terrible day of the Lord. You know, the terrible day. It's not the rapture, it's not the terrible day, unless you don't get to go you know what I'm saying it's a good day if you know but but those who believe the terrible day this is the day when Jesus Christ comes back and destroys his enemies but the scripture makes clear that there's going to be an increase there's going to be a great rebellion and, and let's just kind of look at this and you'll understand my point in a minute just hang with me don't let anyone deceive you anyway for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs what day will not come Christ putting his foot on this earth will not come until the rebellion occurs and the Antichrist is revealed. Let me just caution you for a second. People who believe in mid-tribulation rapture will tell you, Pastor, I believe that we won't uh, go until the Antichrist is established, really is the Antichrist where he sets himself up as God, and that's when we're going to be taken. They will look at that and tell you that, that there's going to be a rebellion, yes, that first three and a half years, and yes, the, the, the Antichrist will set himself up as God, and when he does that, he's revealed officially, and when that happens, you better be ready because we're going to be raptured right then. Listen, if you are dogmatic enough to believe that and staunch about it, you're going to miss Jesus. I'm going to tell you, my friend, don't sit back and interpret this and say, I'm going to sit back and just wait till things get bad enough. I'm going to live my life as I want for as long as I want. And then as soon as I see the Antichrist get on the scene, then suddenly I'm going to get right with Jesus and it's going to be okay. Folks, by the time the Antichrist is clearly on the scene, you've done missed it. People, do you realize And I don't say this against Barack Obama, our president, okay? But when he was kind of just come up out of nowhere... And suddenly there's these massive stadiums full uh, during the campaigns and all that kind of stuff in his first election. Do you know how many phone calls I got at the church asking me questions? So, uh, Pastor Bob, uh, what, what is it? What, how, how are you going to know who the Antichrist is? <laughs> you know what my next question was? Why do you ask? <laughs> I done knew what he's asking. I just wanted to be honest with me. Not because you've been studying your Bible so deep. You want to know, is this it? <laughs> you know what my answer was to all of them? No. Because the Antichrist is going to be way more deceptive. Way, 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 way. He, he, he's going he's to deceive a whole lot more people. Not saying that our president deceived him. I'm just saying that there's going to be a whole lot of people that are going to be super deceived. So, I'll preach about the Antichrist when he comes. Stop it, Bob. Get refocused. My point is, is don't wait. But what this is saying to us is, is, there's going to be a rebellion. Great rebellion. Now, we talked last week about the fact that things are getting rough now. The pressure of the church to accept sinful behaviors as though they're, they're acceptable. The, the, the expectation of the church to embrace cults as though they're Christianity. The church, a lot of pressure. You can't offend anybody. You can't say this. You can't say that. You can't say this. Anybody else can say what they want against you, but you can't say anything about what God said. You know, there's a whole lot of pressure. Listen, the world is getting worse the way it is. How bad do you think it's going to get when the restrainer is removed? Now, who's the restrainer? Who is it that's holding it all back right now? Obviously, we know he's talking about the Spirit of God. However... God is not going to remove himself from this earth through the tribulation period. Why is that? How is that, Pastor Up? How's come God can't remove himself from the earth during the tribulation period? Well, what's the character and nature of God? He's omnipotent, he's omniscient, and he's omnipresent. He can't remove himself from it. He can't. There are going to be people that are going to be saved during the tribulation period. They can't do that without the Spirit of God. He's going to be here. The teachings that say the spirit of God is going to be removed from the earth is all hopeless And listen, that's totally false. However, spirit-filled believers will be removed from this earth. And when I say spirit-filled believers, don't think I'm talking about de- uh, Pentecostal denominations only. I'm talking about people that have been indwelled by the power of God and saved and changed and conformed to His image. Okay, that can be any denomination. All right, that can be a person that, a person, <laughs> Jimmy Stewart up here. I'm going to say, shh. a person, that can be a person from anywhere. All right, so, so these people are going to be res, uh, taken away and, and the restrainer will be removed, meaning the church, a spirit filled church, a church that is moved by the hand of God is going to be removed. You say, I don't get it, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about right now today. Can you imagine, envision in your mind, if there was no conflict against the move and the agenda of our culture? I want you just to begin to imagine what would take place. Right now, let's just use the extreme thing right now, the homosexuality movement, gay marriage and all those things. Right now, if you removed the church from this earth, would it even be a conversation that would even need to be had? Would there be a discussion about abortion anymore? Would there be a concern about any of the movements of our culture? Folks, I'm going to tell you what. When, this, when the church is removed from this world, when it says the rebellion must occur first, that's what it's going to be through the tribulation period. People who know the church is gone, people who hated the teaching, hated the truth, hated what Jesus Christ stood for and does in people's lives, and they will purposefully and willfully live in total opposition of everything the Word of God has to say. Trust me, it's going to get ugly full of the greatest perversions that you could ever dream or imagine when the restrainer is removed. That's why I believe the church is taken before it begins. Because as long as the church is here, there's going to be rebellion, yes. But big enough that it says there's going to be the rebellion. The rebellion that ends all rebellions. The rebellion that really... Uh, gets to the point to where people knowingly, willingly understand that we got seven years and at the end of the seven years, we're all going to gather in this exact spot where this prophecy say Jesus is going to come back and we're going to have every military weapon we can to destroy him when he comes back. That culture and that mentality is established when the church is removed from this world. Let's look at some more things to back up why we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Most importantly, what scripture says I realize I'm going really slow in this service. Bear with me. Romans chapter 5 says this, Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? Now people say, well, gee, Pastor, that doesn't specific about, speak about a specific time of wrath. That's speaking about God's wrath, period. So that's just salvation. Okay, well, let's keep looking and let's read on. First Thessalonians 5.9, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him to therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. In other words, God has not appointed us to that time of wrath, that seven year period, folks. God hasn't saved us so that He can punish us for seven years. He's not saved us so that He can pour His wrath out upon us for a seven-year period. He's already poured His wrath out upon His Son for our sake. Jesus Christ has taken our wrath. He became sin so that we might become what? The righteousness of God through Him. Why would God want to punch it, punish Punch us. It's a new form of wrath. I'm going to punch us you in the faith. <laughs> Throw that together with my Jimmy Stewart sounds. I well, why I can't talk today. I'm going to take a drink of water. <laughs> God's not going to punish us because we've surrendered ourselves to Him and have been tra- changed by Him and transformed by Him. Why? Does that make any sense whatsoever? 1 Thessalonians 1.10 And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Now that's something that's interesting rescues us from what? The coming wrath. That specific time, that specific trial, the trial that is going to be coming upon the whole earth, that one that's going to protect us from the time of wrath, the coming wrath, the wrath that isn't here yet, but the wrath that is to come. What, how, what are you talking about? The wrath that came for us was upon Jesus Christ on the cross. By this time that this was written, that already came and went, but there's a wrath that's coming for those that refuse Him. And for those that surrender ourselves to Him, we'll be caught up out of that wrath. And it lines up with what we read earlier, and I'm going to read it again, 1 Thessalonians 4 says this according to the Lord's own word we tell you that we who are still alive and are left still, till the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel with the trumpet call of God the dead in Christ will rise first after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds folks this catching up, this term caught up, actually means snatched up or taken away, rescued out of. We see this also, that term uh, that I talked about earlier, uh, the word from, which means separation, being used again. Folks, I believe that we are going to be taken out before the, rapt- before the tribulation of the church. One more point in this, to, if you're not fully convinced, let's look at the character and nature of God. Lastly, we'll look at it quickly. We also see proof of pre-tribulation rapture by observing the character of God throughout Bible history. You say, Pastor, this whole rapture thing freaks me out a little bit. Well, let's look back in the Bible. Is it possible for God to snatch a person who is alive from this earth to his glory and his presence? Happened two times that we know of. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for the Lord took him, right? We know that. God took Enoch, took him off this earth, and we also know that Elijah was the other one. Is this common? Is this something God can do? Yes, we know that Jesus, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he had to say, Lazarus because if he didn't say Lazarus and he said come forth, suddenly there's a problem. (laughs) Amen? Amen. Lazarus, come forth. Suddenly, whoo! Oh, great, now what are we going to do with all these people? (laughs) This is the God we serve. He is able to do these things. And not to mention, God has always protected His people, His faithful people, His people who are serving Him. He's always protected them. And taking them out before judgment. For example, Jesus even says, when he starts speaking about the second coming, when, when Jesus comes back to establish his kingdom on earth, he says, it will be as in the days of what? Noah. Noah. What do we find in Noah's day? We find that, that, that everybody's minds were on wickedness at all times. We saw where early, way before the flood ever started, that God made a provision Made an avenue, made an ark for Noah to begin to build and work on. And, and then knowing that before the floods came, before it even started, God had already closed them in and protected them for that ark, in that ark before it even started. The heart of God is to protect, amen? His heart is not to pour wrath out upon those that he has intended to save out of that wrath. God was bringing his judgment upon the entire earth. Just as it was said in the last days, he protected the people of God before it took place. Another one, Lot was taken out of Sodom before fire from heaven fell. Lot was in Sodom. Sodom had had reached a point to where its sin and its wickedness was to the point to where there was nothing more God could do as far as grace. He'd extended it. He'd expelled all the grace that he had upon them, and they said, No, we're done. And God said, Okay, we'll get Lot, we'll get him out of there, and then my judgment will fall. It wasn't like Lot was trying to run out and dodge, you know, balls of fire from heaven. There was a preparation, there was a deliverance that took place, and they got out, and you say, oh, oh, see, Pastor? Let me just point this out real quick. If you're going to start looking back at these examples, let's take this example. We looked at Noah's situation, what the world condition was. What was the condition of Sodom and Gomorrah? Extreme rebellion against God, which obviously the homosexuality movement was huge. That's not why God poured his spirit out upon it alone, poured his fire out upon it alone alone. It was because of the sin and wickedness of man. The homosexuality was the sign saying we have reached our depth of depravity. We've reached it. And judgment is soon to come. Folks, do you realize that when it starts talking about pouring judgment on the whole world, do you realize that that issue is a worldwide issue? It's not just here in the good old U.S. of A. Amen. Europe embraced it a long time ago. And we want to be just like Europe, don't we? Isn't it funny how we forget where we came from? We came from there because we don't want to be like that. And we get over here and we're like, you know what? Let's be like that. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you what. The entire world, folks, not just a nation, not just a city, not just a couple of cities, is reaching its point to where we're preparing ourselves for wrath. Just a couple more examples. The firstborn of the Hebrews were protected by the blood of the Passover lamb before the final judgment fell on Egypt. A way was made in the wilderness across the Red Sea before judgment fell on the Egyptian army. The spies had left Jericho, and Rahab was secure before the judgment. Listen, we can see this all through Scripture. This is the heart of our God. And not to mention, lastly, in this point, I keep saying lastly, but i got more to say. Ephesians 2... We see this about God's character. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following His desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of what? In our sinfulness, in our pursuing of our flesh, and our desires, we were objects of wrath. We were the target of God's wrath. We were what was going to receive God's wrath. However, but... Because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His wrath and destruction and, and hate. Oh wait, no. The incomparable riches of His grace. We're no longer objects of wrath expressed in His kindness. Now you tell me, where's the kindness of God making us endure three and a half years of hell on earth? Amen. Where's the grace in that? I just don't see it, folks. I really believe that since we are no longer objects of wrath, God is going to pull us out of this world before this, this, the, the, the tribulation period begins. Last point. What will the rapture, this catching up, be like? According to Scripture, again, 1 Thessalonians 4 The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we are still alive and are left. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words, folks. The dead in Christ are going to rise first, and those who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. Will I hear the shout of the archangel? I don't know. Maybe we will, maybe we don't. I have no idea, but I can tell you this, for certain that the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, I don't know the time frame. People say, well, how quick, how early before us, Pastor? Is it going to be like, foom, foom, or is it going to be, foom, foom, or is it going to be, foom. Foom. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how quick it's going to be. I don't know how quick it's gonna be. I just know that they're gonna go first, we're gonna go second. Get in line, right? I guess if you have to go through the torture of dying first, you get moved up in the process. I don't know. But the dead in Christ will rise first, their bodies are gonna be taken and changed, and then we get to we get I don't I don't know. People say, Pastor, I mean are you going to, are you gonna see? Are you going to see people? Are you going to, what's going to happen? Listen, all we can do is we can go back to Jesus' resurrection. He's a first fruits. What's taking place in his life is an example of what's going to take place in ours. He was raised to life. He had his body. He carried within himself the scars of his suffering for the gospel, okay? He, he, carried, he carried that. I don't know if that's going to be a glory thing for some people in heaven. I have no idea. I do know this, that the, the tomb was open, and he was made pure and holy, and his body was made eternal, okay? Okay. Uh, I kind of like to think some graves are going to be open. I don't know. Maybe they want to dig them up and see who's empty and who's not. But the fact of the matter is this. It'd be kind of cool to be next to a cemetery. (laughs) Lord, I know I can't can't ask for things, but if you could orchestrate my life. So I'm by a cemetery, and and he's going to be like, Bob, it's, phew. Anyway, you're not going to see it. But anyway... (laughs) I don't know, but the graves are going to be open, and our bodies are going to be changed, and we're going to be taken to be with the Lord, and we're going to be made incorruptible according to Scripture. No more lust, no more sickness, no more being tired, no more aging, no more pain, no more sin, no more death. Can I get an amen? Death will be swallowed up in victory according to the Scripture at this time. We know, folks, that at the rapture of the church that the dead are going to be raised and that we are going to be taken up to join them together in the air. The dead are spirit right now, but at this point they're going to be taking their flesh and their flesh is going to be gathered back up and shot up to heaven and their their spirit is going to be reunited with that flesh, perfect, holy, and and, and whole. Okay, We're all going to experience that to some extent. Now some some people say, Pastor, what about people that are cremated? the ashes come back together. <laughs> it's not difficult. Well, pastor, what about, what about people that were like, like buried at sea and then their body floats in the water and then fish eat it and then the fish you know, excrete more stuff and then that goes down the bottom until bottom feeders are eating it and then bottom feeders excrete it and then you've got little, then you've got little amoebas and stuff eating on it and then they excrete it down the small... Listen to me! <laughs> Our God spoke this into existence. Maybe it'd be cool to be on the beach. Maybe now, Lord, I know I can't ask for everything, but if you could if you could situate me on the beach from now until I die, that would be great. <laughs> I'm way off topic. But the scriptures make clear in 1 Corinthians 15 that we will be changed. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read through all these, but we will be changed. Our bodies, and it's going to be done in a twinkling of an eye, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52. In a twinkling of an eye. Quickly, it's not a slow process. It's not going to be like you're sitting in your living room and suddenly your foot starts to disappear. And somebody looks over and goes, Leroy, what's happening? I don't know, man. <laughs> Listen, it's going to be boom. The twinkling of an eye, quickly. Do you know what's really cool about the whole thought of it is, is it don't matter what we do with our lives. We try to do the right things. I don't know about you, but I get saved and, and fill the Holy Spirit. I'm still going through sanctification. There's things in me that i got to fix. You know what I'm saying? We work on it, work on it. we got a whole lifetime of God working on us. Isn't it cool that God can fix something in the twinkling of an eye that we've been working our whole lives on? We eat right, we exercise, we, we try to do the right things, Lord, oh Lord, help me. We cry about our bodies, we cry about this and that, and God goes, <laughs> and you're fixed. <laughs> that quick. He can take a body that is lifeless and has been lifeless for 6,000 years and raise it. You say, Pastor, how is that possible that a six thousand Jesus died on the cross two thousand years ago? How how is it possible that somebody six thousand years because of blood sacrifice, because of their faith? Because they shed blood and deposit of that sacrifice of Jesus down the road at that point. Adam and Eve, I believe, are going to be there. You say, how is that possible, Adam and Eve? Because they were clothed. And I don't care what, uh, what's his name, uh, said in the movie last week where it said they put the clothing on you because you're beasts. No, the clothing was put on you, the animal skin was put on you because there was a blood sacrifice for your sins. That's why. The rest of the movie was good, by the way. It was all right. But... My point is this, folks. I can't tell you everything that's going to happen. I can tell you it will be happening, and I can tell you that it's going to take place, and I can tell you that it's connected to the cross. You say, how is it connected to the cross? We're going to take communion here in just a minute. Why would we take communion with a rapture message? And we've already read this verse, but I'm going to read it again. 1 Thessalonians 5, He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. If I could have Devin and Steve come. You see, folks, it all comes back to the cross. And Paul, when he was writing that in Thessalonians, he he was talking about in times, whether we're awake or asleep, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're going to live together with him, whether we're awake or asleep. He's going to come get us, all right? But he died for us so that so that what am I getting at he died for us so that he went to the cross so the very thing that we're talking about today could take place that he can take his people his bride to be with him you know we, we said a couple of different times <clears throat> things will be as it was in the days of Noah here's, here's the difference here's our option that's different from Noah's day The people were given an option to hear Noah's message about the ark, and they were given an option to climb on if they would. They did not. Okay? They they remained wicked. In our day, we've been given the message of Jesus Christ, our ark. Here's the difference. In Noah's day, God turned his wrath upon man. Something that was shared in the movie last week what's his name? Kirk Cameron, I don't know why I keep coming up with other names in my head. And I'm thinking, I know that's not it. I know that's not it. Kirk Cameron in, in Unstoppable last week brought something out really cool. I'd never considered it before. And he was talking about Noah and after the flood and everything. And God, he sacrificed to God and God gave him a promise. And he said, I'll hang my bow in the sky and, and uh, never again will I flood the earth with water. And we all know that that's pointing toward the rainbow. He puts that up in the sky for us to see. And he reminds himself that he'll not flood the earth with water again. But Kirk said this. He said, a bow is an instrument of destruction. A bow is a weapon. And he said, if you hang a bow up and its arch is going up, it's no longer pointed down. That God's wrath had been released upon man because of his sin and his He refused to surrender to to God and and refused to change his ways. He brought destruction, but then he said, I'm going to hang my bow up. And something that Kirk brought out that was really cool, he said, if a bow is up, what direction is the arrow pointed? He said, because the wrath that was to be poured out next was going to be taken upon Jesus Christ. That's a powerful thought. Here's the difference between Noah's day and our day. Jesus Christ became sin for us. The one that was innocent received the wrath of God. And we still teach this to our children. I got this today. Little Dusty Robinson made this for me. Had no idea what I was talking about today. Folks, the reason there's hope in our life is because the wrath has been put upon Jesus Christ that we deserve. Here's the decision. Will you make Him the Lord of your life? Will you say, okay, Lord, He took my wrath that I deserve. Thank you. I will surrender myself to you. Fill me with your presence. Thank you for the work of the cross. Or will you say, oh, no. I want my own wrath to be brought upon me and reject God. Folks, just as Noah's day, the flood was imminent, the things we're talking about in this series are imminent. They will happen. And today, the decision is, is, do I want God to take my wrath upon himself or do I want to take my wrath upon me? All of us have fallen sin and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us deserve, deserve death. But God in his grace and his mercy provided an avenue, an arc of safety named Jesus Christ to avoid all of this stuff. And we can rejoice in the fact that this rapture that we talked about involves us. It's not a scary thing. It's a thing of hope. You just bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for the hope, God, that we are going to be in your presence very soon. And I pray, Lord, that this people of, uh, that have gathered here today would be humbled, prepared, and ready for your return. And Lord, that you would just touch hearts right now. Holy Spirit, do your work. If you're here and you say, Pastor, all the heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just me and you and God. Say, Pastor, I don't, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If He returned today, I would not go. You say I need to make Him the Lord of my life, and I want, he, want Him to apply the blood of the cross to my life, showing that the wrath has been poured out. And I would rather receive His goodness and His kindness instead. If that's you today. You say, Pastor, that's me. Just simply with a quick, uplifted hand. We're going to pray for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus.